Hey guys, it's Sam. Thank you for downloading another episode of Not Sam Wrestling. I'm not going to give you all the instructions that I usually do every week on how you can support the podcast because I want to tell you that there is limited edition Not Sam merch that is just now going up on sale at NotSam.com. For this week only, pre-orders are open on brand new Sammy Brand Muffins limited edition t-shirts, long sleeves, and hoodies. If you want to get one of these Not Sam shirts, this is the only time that they're going to be available, and then they're going to be gone forever. Pre-order them now, this week only, at NotSamShirts.com. You can also click the shop link at NotSam.com and get yourself a t-shirt, a long sleeve, or a hoodie. Not Sam on the front, Sammy Brand Muffins on the back, if you miss the pre-order, you're going to miss it forever. All your friends are going to be wearing it. You're not going to have one, and you're going to feel like a fool. Other than that, enjoy today's show. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, changes for CM Punk, and where could he end up? Roman Reigns, will he keep both titles, and how could he lose one of them? All this and more will be answered. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. What a time. Who knows what this week will bring. Thank God we're all here to talk about it. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. I don't think in the history, maybe certainly since the Attitude Era, certainly since the Monday Night Wars, has it have we had more to talk about? I don't think since then. And look, I was a kid then. So when you're a kid, of course, it's fun to talk about wrestling. But it was a blast talking about wrestling as a fan during the Monday Night War, going to school and talking about all the rumors that you were reading on the Internet. Of course, back then it was either, I mean, for when you're a kid, it's not exactly Meltzer's newsletter. I mean, I guess it could be if you're a cool kid. But, you know, you get the uh, email newsletters were big that were basically just... (laughs) copy and pasting off Meltzer's uh, website. The more things change, the more they say the same. Uh, and and like uh, websites were popping up everywhere. And of course, what you read on message boards and whatnot. But rumors were, uh, they were able to be far more wildly speculative because it was so much more difficult to place where they, where they were coming from. But I mean, it was so much fun during the Monday Night Wars. Talking about, there was just as much tribalism, I believe, then as there is now. It's just we didn't have Twitter to highlight the tribalism. Because there there was plenty of WCW versus WWE, WWF conversation going on back then. You, all you had to do was turn on the TV. Instead of Twitter, they had signs in the audience. Like, you look at those shots of Raw or Nitro, and the entire audience is filled with Oak Tag and Sharpie. And you're like, yeah, that was Twitter in 1998. People bringing signs to shows that say Bischoff fears Vince. Vince fears Goldberg. WCW blows goats. DX fears NWO. A lot of fears and a lot of blows. But that's what it was. I mean, it's the same thing. And you find it still, of course, like I said, on message boards and things like that, you would find the tribalism. But it was just... It was in person and and it was it was confined 
to your actual social circles, not your social media circles, which are much bigger. See, like in real life, if your group of friends is saying something, you can kind of back away from them, hang out with another group of friends, whatever. There's just something about the internet. We allow it to take over our entire life. I think it's because it's our phone and it's our escape. Whenever we get bored, we turn on our phone. We get lost in this tiny little screen, this black mirror that fits in our palm. And everything that that thing says to us feels like real life. There have been plenty of times where I'm getting lambasted on Twitter and I'm and it's stressful, man. It's stressful. And you're like, oh, my God, everybody hates me. This is and then I put my phone down and I go outside and I look around and I go, oh, there are people that feel that way. I'm not disregarding their feelings. This is real. That's just some people that I don't know over there somewhere that I'll never meet. There's real life happening. You know, you start to feel like everybody on the street that you pass is, oh, they're probably tweeting about me right now. No, they don't care. They don't care. Because this thing, this bubble that you've built around yourself is not real life. It's just a bubble. It's just that. So I, I think that we we tend to believe that that wrestling is is tribal in this way that it's never been before, but that's not true. It's just, it's never been tribal, this tribal with these internet bubbles because, you know, I mean, I guess you could have New Japan fans or Impact fans, Ring of Honor fans, but realistically, since social media has become the preferred way of communication for a great many people around the globe, WWE has had a, a, a fairly strong almost monopoly on mainstream American wrestling. So, you know, we just, it looks different now, but it was so every week we'd have something to talk about from the time Luger showed up on Nitro. And then once, once the cursing started, once the violence started, once the attitude started on both shows, the end, once the NWO started and then DX came in response and then Montreal happened, that's when everything was off to the races. The wildest rumors ever. You just sit there and you talk about it, And some of them ended up being true. Hitman Heart Wrestling with Shadows comes out. I mean, every day there was a new wrestling conversation to have. And I don't think that we've had that, you know, once. And it didn't die with the end of WC. It didn't die with WCW dying, those conversations. To me, those conversations stopped happening when WCW stopped being competitive. You'd have a different type of conversation. It'd be, oh my God, did you see Raw last night? WWE was so cool. You see what The Rock did? You see what Stone Cold did? That was still happening, but it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same as like, who knows what the hell is going to happen. It was just like, hey, there's a good TV show to talk about. That's Monday Night Raw. Now we're finally, finally back to this place where it's like, oh my God, what the hell is going to happen next? I don't think that anything that has happened this year so far was on anybody's bingo card. I would say 2022 probably starts with the rumors that Cody, no, probably start with the rumors that Stone Cold is coming back. That's probably the first wild ass rumor of 2022 that Austin is coming back. I mean, you remember day one, Day one, literally the first day of 2022 was when they had to completely scrap the main event of the day one pay-per-view. It was supposed to be Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar and they had to completely scrap it and they put Brock Lesnar in this 
fatal four-way for the WWE Championship that completely changed the course of everything. That's how 2022 started with day one. And ever since then, and then you start going like, well, if Brock's the champ and Roman's the champ, how are they going to take this to WrestleMania? Then you start hearing rumors that Stone Cold is coming back. What the hell are you talking about? Then you start hearing rumors that Cody Rhodes is not like the, 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 the sanctity of AEW is starting to be disrupted and that Cody Rhodes may be leaving. And then you hear that Cody Rhodes is leaving. What does this mean? Maybe he's going to debut on, on WrestleMania. Is he going to, and in the weeks leading up to WrestleMania, is this going to be Cody? Is that going to be Cody? Maybe he's not coming. Maybe it's going to be somebody else. Remember, there were all these reports. I'll bet it's Shane McMahon. That's the other thing. Get to Royal Rumble. It's still January. Shane McMahon's fired from WWE, we hear. What? What? Shane McMahon. He was, he was just gone. He came back. He's back. He's a McMahon. He's gone. What the hell? Shane's gone. Austin's coming back. Cody's coming in. Cody actually does come in. The American nightmare, gimmick, music, logo is plastered across AT&T Stadium. You go to uh, Fan Access the day after night one of WrestleMania, and boom, you can already do a Cody Rhodes entrance at Fan Access. Boom, we're already here. What the hell is going on? CM Punk wins the AEW championship. MJF cuts this insane promo. We think MJF is going into business for himself. Stone Cold, by the way, actually does main event WrestleMania. We get to we get to to the beginning of the summer. It appears that MJF is going into business for himself. First, he's he's was he gonna no-show this pay-per-view? He's supposed to have this match with Wardlow, this payoff to this story. He's no-showing fan signings. He's going to no-show this pay-per-view. He shows up at the pay-per-view. Main event. I mean, not main event. Opening match. Loses. Shows up on, on, on Dynamite the next Wednesday. Calls the boss a fucking mark. What? He's off TV. Is this real? Is this a shoot? Is this a work? I don't know. Tony Khan won't comment on it. CM Punk announces he's injured. There's going to be an interim champion. How did this happen? CM Punk finally wins the AEW championship and now he's injured. This is unbelievable. Vince McMahon steps down from WWE. All this controversy is around. Vince McMahon steps down. He's going to stay in creative. Whoop, no he's not. Vince McMahon actually retires. Vince McMahon is actually gone from WWE and as if that couldn't get any more nuts, Triple H who just came back in April, full-time in WWE or so. That's when he started doing interviews and stuff again. He did that interview with Stephen A. Smith. The man who we all speculated about because we watched NXT become NXT 2.0 and we watched Triple H seemingly lose his grips on his baby and watch his baby become something else entirely. Trips... The day has come. The day has come that people talked about from the formation of the McMahon-Helmsley regime. Triple H is in charge of creative and of talent. Triple H is the man in WWE now as far as the television show goes. Unbelievable. We go, Wow, Vince McMahon's probably pulling the strings behind the scenes, right? Nope, everything starts to change. What? And just as things can't get crazier... CM Punk returns, gets squashed, regains the AEW championship, and in a press conference after the pay-per-view, decides to set off an atomic bomb in the living room of the company. 
Hello, it's the fall. What the hell is going to happen next in this year? This is the funnest it's been to talk about wrestling since the Monday Night War, and it might even beat the Monday Night War. It's like 2020, we thought, was going to be the most noteworthy year in the history of wrestling, and to some degree it was because the unthinkable happened. Shows in front of fans stopped. WrestleMania held in the Performance Center on a week's notice. But guess what happened during all that time? That there was nothing. I mean, there was something, but in terms of live audiences, there was nothing. Things were brewing and things were brewing and things were brewing. And we are more than making up for it here in 2022. Speaking of things going differently, I'm watching SmackDown on Friday. How about Michael Cole name dropping referees left and right? The last like three weeks, I feel like every other match. Shout out to this referee. Shout out to that referee. I've learned the names of more WWE officials in the last three weeks than I have in the last 30 years. Everybody, there's a lot of changes happening. And that's one of them. And who knows, is Michael Cole taking it upon himself because now he knows that there won't be anybody telling him not to do it? For whatever the reason is, something initiated the change. Because he's doing it. I, I, I've noticed it. I like it. The referees are human beings. Why not? But also, if we know their names, when they inevitably screw up, as WWE officials tend to do, we'll know exactly who to blame. We'll know which ones are the good ones, which ones are the bad ones. When Sean Bennett steps up to the plate, do we expect a down-the-middle fair call or do we expect somebody sleeping behind the wheel? We're going to have to pay attention now. We're going to have to watch these guys. And I don't mind it. Lots of... uh, Stuff went down on SmackDown this week. Of course, you had uh, Solo Sokoa making his in-ring and SmackDown debut coming from NXT. He showed up at Clash of the Castle, cost Drew McIntyre the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship, and then goes to SmackDown, and I mean, fits like a glove. Oh, Solo Sokoa as an addition to the bloodline is is... As good an addition as you're going to get. It's just perfect. He just he just fits right in there. I feel like he, he delivers something different. I feel like he's the one, right? The Usos have been there for a while. I feel like Solo Sokoa is going to be the one that looks at the Usos and points to Sami Zayn and goes, what's this guy doing here? Us, who invited this guy? Who invited the redhead from Montreal? What the hell is this guy doing here? And the, the Usos, he's their younger brother. But let me tell you something. While the Usos were wearing board shorts and face paint and wrestling on WWE Saturday Morning Slam, Solo Sokoa was out here in these streets. Solo Sokoa was becoming a street champion. He has shown up with not an ounce of likability, ready for a fight, ready to stand out in a new WWE. And I don't think he's going to have any little brother vibes coming into the bloodline. I, I loved it. And then, you know, we look at the changes that are happening, right? The opening of SmackDown, love to see it. Imperium versus the Brutes. Imperium back together. Giovanni Vinci comes over to SmackDown. And instead of being like a fashion plate, I guess they figured they've already got maximum male models. Giovanni Vinci is back with Imperium and... Butch is still Butch, 
But Butch has a lot more Pete Dunne to him than he did uh, initially when he was Butch. He's not wrestling in that news he's had. He's not wrestling in suspenders anymore. He's got some bruiser weight trunks on, and he's back to being a a, a limb damaging specialist, bending those fingers back in directions that no finger was ever meant to be bent. Ridge Holland is looking a little more, a little less uh, cartoon character. I like it. And then there was the uh, the uh, digital exclusive that the maximum male model shot. After their loss that they suffered on SmackDown, they they did a digital uh, promo where you had the lady in there with them, you had Marseille, you had Massois, and uh, Max Dupree was talking to, I guess Maxine Dupree, if I know Max Dupree's name, I should know Maxine Dupree's name as well. They were talking and uh, Max Dupree says, well, to get to the dip, <laughs> and he takes a pause. And he kind of nods like he realizes what he's saying. He realizes the pun and he goes, yeah, maybe that's right. He says, to get to the day, you got to go through the night. <laughs> yeah. He said, yeah. And then he kind of walks off and he gives us this real like, oh boy, looks like we may see LA Knight on SmackDown after all. Hey guys, sorry for the interruption, but now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Sometimes you can fixate on a problem for so long that you don't take time to find a solution. It can be tough to train your brain to stay in problem-solving mode when faced with a challenge in life. But when you learn how to find your own solutions, there's no better feeling. A therapist can help you become a better problem solver, making it easier to accomplish your goals no matter how big or how small. Look, therapy is so important. There's so many little things in life that shouldn't stop you from accomplishing the things that you want to accomplish, but do. Things that are small are only small to other people. These tiny little things become giants in your head. And therapy can really help you figure out how to shrink them down to size and then solve the problem. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and chat therapy sessions. You can choose to not see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash not Sam today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash not Sam. I think Triple H is, is clearly, with the return of Braun Strowman, which I think people are questioning, but... You know, I, I get where Braun Strowman has rubbed people the wrong way, whether it's uh, not being the most uh, sympathetic of people, especially with the wrestling community on the internet, or whether it's just the missteps that were taken at the end of his previous WWE run. You know, he's not that internet darling. I get it. But I think Triple H is really trying to add depth to the roster on every level. He's trying to come up with as many main event stars as he can. And that doesn't mean that they're all going to be main eventers right now. But I think Triple H remembers pretty well that when Braun Strowman broke away from the Wyatts, Braun Strowman went on a run. Braun Strowman was so over 
that James Ellsworth got a year-long contract out of it. That's how over Braun Strowman was. James Ellsworth was an enhancement talent. Braun Strowman really brought back regular enhancement talent to WWE. And he spent a while getting himself over. And, it, and it's just something about Braun. It just worked. When you have guys that big, they're usually not quite as good as Braun was as quickly as Braun was. And I'm not saying Braun is a, is a five-star catch-as-catch-can. But I'm saying Braun has an athleticism and a speed that most people his size and with his amount of power don't have. He also has developed the ability to sell. He's, he's, got, he's gotten better. Like, I think that, that people don't realize that Braun Strowman went on the road with Roman Reigns and wrestled Roman Reigns night in and night out for months. And that made a monster. And I, you could roll your eyes all you want about Roman Reigns, but having main event matches with Roman Reigns night in and night out changed Braun Strowman as a performer for the better in ways I can barely describe. I'm still going to try. It did everything for him. And Braun Strowman during that time was very over. Roman Reigns was the babyface. Braun Strowman was the heel, but it was clear that Braun was like, Okay, he's the attraction. And I don't mean the attraction. Some people use that word attraction in a diminutive way. I don't think the word attraction is a diminutive word. I think attraction is what people want to be. The whole point of professional wrestling is to sell tickets. And if you're an attraction, people are buying tickets to see you. And if people are buying tickets to see you, well, guess what? You've proven your value to whatever company you're working for. And if you can do it consistently, then you're doing something right. And for a period of time, Braun was. Braun was was extremely popular. All the things that he was, all the stunts and stuff that he was doing with Roman made him, I mean, it turned him into a babyface to the point where he was the one getting the cheers. He was the one going over to Saudi and winning the greatest Royal Rumble. I think, and I don't think that that happens outside of WWE, by the way. I think that, that Braun is a special athlete that the WWE platform can take advantage of. But the WWE platform is the one that's built for Braun to be able to take advantage of. I don't think Braun, you know, Braun did show up in Ring of Honor. Cool, not the same. Braun and Impact, not the same. There's a reason why Braun and AEW would not have worked. AEW right now is not built to be a place where Oh my God, you got to see this giant. He is eating the roster. AEW is a place that, you know, somebody like Daniel Bryan is going to be able to go and have, or Brian Danielson is going to be able to go and have hour-long time limit draws and matches like that. It's not a bad thing. It's just a different thing. It's a different platform. There are guys that I could tell you the AEW platform is built for them to take advantage of. That's not Braun. Braun is built for WWE. WWE is built for Braun, period. And I think it's going to work, you know? Something's going on with Alpha Academy. I would imagine it's going to build to the first big match being Otis versus Braun because you do have to spend some time rebuilding Braun so that people see that first monster among men so that people don't see Braun at the end of his first WWE run. But I, I think it's very doable, especially with Triple H in charge. I mean, who knows? Maybe Braun is built up to be, if he's going to be a heel, 
he could be built up to be the monster that maybe Johnny Gargano has to conquer. Johnny Gargano's back on Raw as of tonight. He's got a match. He's back in the ring. Maybe that's where they're going with it. Maybe Braun Strowman's going to be a babyface. Maybe after he beats Otis, he starts moving up the ranks. Maybe he's being built up as a, as a challenger to Roman Reigns' championship. You have to imagine, based on SmackDown, that the match at, at Extreme Rules is going to be Drew McIntyre versus Karrion uh, uh, Cross. Speaking of guys who are, are completely rejuvenated since Triple H took over. But I think that, uh, uh, and I think that if you look at it and you look at what's coming up, because after Extreme Rules, you've got like Crown Jewel, Survivor Series, Day One, Royal Rumble. If Roman Reigns is going to take another pay-per-view off, it's probably going to be Extreme Rules. If that's the case, you know, maybe Karrion Cross is going to be next in line for a shot. Maybe Braun Strowman is going to be next in line. Who knows? Who knows? I'll tell you what, while we're still on the topic of new stuff, and then I'll get to my kind of points for today's show. I am uh, loving the Rhea Ripley Dominic Mysterio angle. I think Rhea Ripley, since joining the Judgment Day, and people have been skeptical of the Judgment Day for some time just because it had such a rocky start, right? People weren't quite sure what it was when Edge first started it. And before it could really even define itself, they jumped Edge and threw him out. Now Edge is against it. And like the, the, the foundation of the Judgment Day is not the strongest foundation in the world for a group. It's almost like they're, they're through the process figuring out what they are. Now, luckily, the Judgment Day, as of last week, was, I mean, I guess the week before last, was Finn Balor, Damian Priest, I'm going to call him Punishment Martinez, believe it or not, Finn Balor, Damian Priest, and Rhea Ripley. That is a faction of people, when you just look at the athletes, when you just look at the superstars that are in that group, I have every faith in the world that that group is going to figure it out. And I think that they are. I think that leading up to this, Rhea Ripley is as good as she's ever been on the main roster. I think that that we can all see it in Rhea Ripley. Every single person who lays eyes on Rhea Ripley once, it's just like, oh my God. Rhea Ripley is the type of person that you see, I mean, they say it's cliche at this point about wrestlers, but Rhea Ripley is the type of person that you see in an airport and go, who is that? She must be somebody. I talked to her at WrestleMania about how big her shoulders are. Incredible physical specimen, this Rhea Ripley, but also the type of person that you buy. The type of person that when she starts beating dudes up, dudes up, you go, yeah, that's the way that should happen. That's the way I would assume that would happen in real life. And that's what you want. I think that that within this Judgment Day story with Triple H, I think that Rhea Ripley has found herself. That Rhea Ripley clearly has this, I don't know if it's confidence or she just sees herself now. It was almost like there were times where you would watch Rhea Ripley and it would feel like she was wondering, okay, I think this is the message I'm delivering, but I don't know who this character is. And that's death, man. That's tough. A lot of people have gone through it in professional wrestling. And that's not always their fault, by the way, because maybe the person creating the character doesn't know who the character is either. 
but Rhea Ripley knows who this character is. The character that is that is well, that is dominating Dom. <laughs> Rhea Ripley knows exactly who this character is, and she is playing it to a T. Dom coming out, and I mean, I love that you can put the pieces together yourself. You know, when Dominic Mysterio, it's a, by far the most I've been interested in Dominic Mysterio since he debuted. When Dominic Mysterio first debuted, or, or when he was in that match with Brock Lesnar with his dad, I was like, okay, this is cool. Let's see what Dominic's got to offer. Since then, this is by a mile the most that I've been interested in Dominic. The idea that that Dominic, this sweet, sweet boy, that's been doing whatever daddy says, that's been by daddy's side, they've just been living a father-son dream. Dominic is the quintessential prince. He's the quintessential junior to Rey Mysterio. And Rey was having the time of his life, as every father would. Ray was living the dream of a father. He won Dominic's custody straight up in a ladder match at SummerSlam. And he is making the most out of winning that custody. As an adult, gets to bring his young son with him on the road. Not young son anymore, adult son with him on the road. Teach him the ins and outs of the business, not just in the ring, but also in the locker room, in the hallway on the road, in the car, on the plane, everything to mold his son's young mind into being the ultimate professional wrestler the way maybe Ray sees himself. And if he does see himself that way, I wouldn't correct him. You heard me on that Ray Mysterio doc. I think the world of Ray Mysterio on A&E. But then, then Dominic met Rhea Ripley. See, Dominic was a good boy. He's doing what his dad said. Even when his dad said, I'm going to take away this moment from you. When his dad said, no, I'm going to team with Edge at this big paper you in front of 60,000 people in the UK. I'm going to take this moment away from you and team with Edge instead. But you understand, my boy. Edge is like our uncle, your uncle, my brother. Okay, dad. Okay, you got it, dad. You're right. T.O. Edge rules. I like him. Well, something happened while Rhea Ripley was giving Dominic those beatdowns. Dominic became transfixed. That brain that Dominic's father, Rey Mysterio, had such a hold on, well, that brain became manipulated. And that focus that Dominic had on following daddy's word, well, that focus started to shift. And the bad girl came in. And every father worries about the bad girl and every son lusts over the bad girl. The bad girl has the ability. All plans, all intentions are all well and good until the bad girl steps in. And we've never seen, well, I don't know if we've never seen, seldom do we see this play out. We certainly haven't seen it play out with a father-son dynamic in wrestling. But a father who came in with the best of intentions for his son, those intentions have been thrown out the window because his son's, his son's attention has shifted toward the bad girl. And the bad girl has the ability to, to make that son do things that his father, 
not only would not approve, would not dream of. Rey Mysterio is now staying up late at night, cold sweats, wondering what kind of ideas Rhea Ripley is putting into his baby boy's head. What kind of things could Rhea Ripley be doing to his son? Worse yet, what kind of things could Rhea Ripley be making his son do? Nightmare fuel. Nightmare fuel for Papa Mysterio. And then to hear Rhea Ripley in that Australian accent refer to herself as Poppy, which is Australian for Poppy. The name that Eddie Guerrero, who was Rey Mysterio's best friend and brother, except for the time that he tried to claim custody of Dominic Mysterio because he was Dominic Mysterio's natural birth father and decided to try to take his custody papers in a ladder match, except for that time. That's as close to Ray's blood as anyone can be. Rhea Ripley has taken that away. Rhea Ripley is now sunning Ray Mysterio's son. Can you imagine? You're a father. You think you're you think you've made it out of the woods. Dominic is in his 20s. Dominic is an adult. You've raised a good boy, a good sweet boy. You've got a good sweet polite boy. It doesn't make no trouble with nobody. And all of a sudden, this death metal Australian chick in leather and chains is making him call her poppy and he is. And there ain't no, and you look at it as a father. You look at Rhea Ripley and you realize there ain't nothing I can do about this. I love it. I love it. As soon as I saw it, I th- the story just, and that's what I mean. You don't have to sit there and say, oh, who is she to him? Why is he doing this? What has made him? No, 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 no. Just look at it. Just sit back, stop, just look at it. And realize what's happening. Because let me tell you, Ray, Ray takes one look at Rhea and he goes, oh, no, 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 no. I don't have the powers to undo that black magic. No, 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 no. This, he's going down a dark road. He's going, Dominic is going down a dark road. And me? I'm a square peg trying to fit in a round hole. I do not fit in here. I fit in with the old Dominic, but this, this Rhea Ripley, after a couple of beatings that she laid down on my son, has taken that old, taken that young boy away. And that's what Ray's got to contend with. Love it. Love every minute of it. I think it's great. I think it's great. All right, so let's get into it. Let's get into it here. Let's get into it here on Not Sam Wrestling. I appreciate you guys being here. Um, of course, it was a, a huge AEW Dynamite on Wednesday. A lot of people tuned in. And when they tuned in, they saw Tony Khan and he jumped up on a TV screen and he said he was vacating the world championship and he was vacating the trios championship. Also, if you were watching and I was watching, it's one of those things where in the beginning you're watching every little detail. And I think a lot of people noticed that when that dynamite package played, And when those AEW superstars are slamming into each other and paint splattering against the lens of the camera, ain't no Kenny Omega, ain't no Young Buck, 
One, Young Buck. Two, Nick and Matt Jackson ain't there. And CM Punk's not there. Omega, the Bucks, and CM Punk all gone from that intro. Who would have thought in December of 2021 that by September of 2022, coming out of All Out, Cody, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, and CM Punk would all be scrapped from the AEW intro. The unthinkable. Tony Khan announces that the trios championship is going to be decided in a trios match tonight. Death Triangle versus the best friends. And that uh, there's a six-person tournament coming out with, uh, who is it? Jericho and Mox getting buys, maybe? I don't know. I think so. Jericho and Mox get buys. And that the winner is going to get decided in Arthur Ashe Stadium. And it's not interim like it was with Mox when he won the AEW championship, like it is with Tony Storm as the interim women's championship. No interim. The Death Triangle is the trio's champion. And whoever wins this tournament will be the AEW world champion. Now, there's no references to the Young Bucks. There's no references to Kenny Omega. There's no references to CM Punk whatsoever. And we don't know. This is, We don't know if this is because Tony Khan is trying to strategize what he's going to do next. We don't know if there's some kind of uh, internal investigation going on. If there is an internal investigation going on, which it is reported that there is an internal investigation going on. Let's not pretend that we don't know anything. There is reportedly an investigation going on. I think what people don't fully know yet is if it is a legal investigation, meaning there are police involved, or if it is a corporate investigation that the company is trying to figure out what happened, or does it come from a, a higher a higher party? And who knows? AEW is a privately owned company, but who knows? I don't know. But for whatever reason, it wasn't mentioned whatsoever. And, uh, you know, I, I, I wish more had been made of it. However, I'll tell you what I did find watching AEW Dynamite, that I would be absolutely fine if AEW decided to go without the Bucks, Omega, and Punk, even if it's just for a while. I was watching that show, and not only did I think the show moved fine without four of their top-tier talent, I think it also moved somewhat more smoothly. I, it, it felt like there was a little bit more room to breathe. It felt like you had... Uh, roles a little bit more planted in the sense that you've got, here's the way I see it. You've got MJF as your top homegrown talent. John Moxley is your top guy. John Moxley is your John Cena. John Moxley is the man. John Moxley is the guy that connects directly with the AEW audience. He's not there for any other reason he, he, other than his pure passion for professional wrestling. That's the AEW fan base. And they get him, and he gets them, and it's just it just fits. And then to me, if you watch that press conference that we talked about last week, Chris Jericho is is built at this point in his career. I think Chris Jericho may be one of the least insecure professional wrestlers on the planet, which is a compliment to him. Uh, I think that that uh, Chris understands the accomplishments that he's had in his career understands that he's done more in the pro wrestling industry than just about anybody could ever hope to do. And that in both the rock and roll industry and the pro wrestling industry, every dream he's ever had has come true tenfold. 
And I think he knows that that he deserves a lot of credit for that. And that he gives himself credit for it. And not in a way that he's insecure and, and asking other people to validate him. Chris Jericho doesn't need validation. Chris Jericho understands the value that Chris Jericho brings. That's why Chris Jericho doesn't need to go out and win the world title every night. Chris Jericho can win a, or can lose a mimosa match. And as he's lying in a, above ground pool full of orange juice can hear the fans going crazy for Orange Cassidy and realize, oh, I had a lot to do with that and understand that that's the reward, that the mission was to get Orange Cassidy over and Orange Cassidy is over. I did my job again. That's Jer and, and, and that to me makes Jericho, he feels watching like the quintessential locker room leader. Like that's what you want in your locker room. A guy that's done it all, a guy that's seen it all, a guy that is still capable of competing at the highest level, but a guy that is not insecure about other people succeeding. I think with Chris Jericho as your locker room leader, John Moxley is your top guy, and MJF is kind of your your top young talent that is building a generation around him. I think you're good to go. You still got Brian Danielson. If Adam Cole ever comes back, he is a beast. You still got, you know, I, 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 I and then, and you, and, and you, and then you build. Wheeler, Utah is great. You got Claudio Castagnoli, Daniel Garcia. I don't know if it was the smartest thing in the world to end the show with him, but I love Daniel Garcia. He, he's awesome. And still coming up. I mean, you guys know how I feel about Lee Moriarty. I had him on the podcast. There's a ton of people there. You got a great tag division. Without the Bucks, you still got FTR. You still got Swerve in our glory. You still got the acclaimed to have skyrocketed. You got all this stuff in your trios division. Still got the best friends in Orange Cassidy. Still got the Death Triangle. You don't have the House of Black anymore. Apparently Malachi's taking some time to himself. But you got other trios. You'd be fine. You'd be absolutely fine. You know, I think that that and I, you know, I don't I don't know as I said last week who's responsible for for anything. But I think one of the mistakes that was made with CM Punk was that I don't think he ever should have been a full-time member of the roster. I think it's lunacy for a couple of reasons. You know, I I think now it would be lunacy to bring him back full-time just because you know, he's kind of at the moment got a bit of a toxic reputation, I think amongst fans that are watching from the outside. It sure seems that way. But sometimes when you've got somebody that has such an incredible amount of value, not having them on TV makes them much more valuable when they are on TV. Brock Lesnar, who this week, Stone Cold Steve Austin did an interview with Bill Apter and he called Brock Lesnar, along with Roman Reigns, the biggest draws in wrestling. And he's right. The reason Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns have wrestled three times in three main events inside of a single 365-day period is because there is no bigger match in wrestling than Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. And one of the reasons why Brock Lesnar is as big as he is is because he doesn't wrestle every week. Because you're not going to watch a 15-minute match 
of Brock Lesnar versus whoever on a random episode of SmackDown. It's not going to happen. If Brock Lesnar is wrestling on SmackDown, it's to make the world talk. Brock Lesnar's wrestling at a pay-per-view. It's in the main event. He's going to make the world talk. Brock Lesnar's the type of guy who it's like, oh, I wasn't going to even get Peacock, but Brock Lesnar's on this pay-per-view. Let me check it out. That doesn't happen if he's on every pay-per-view. CM Punk has that kind of value. Like, that's what you have to realize, that no matter what kind of reputation CM Punk has, he still has a tremendous value to any wrestling promotion. Any wrestling promotion can find a lot of value in CM Punk because wrestling fans still love CM Punk. At our court, we will pay money to see a CM Punk match. We will pay money to watch a CM Punk story be paid off. But we got to believe in the stories. And the last thing you want to do is, is cool down CM Punk. I'm not even saying he shouldn't have been world champion, but what I am saying, and the thing about CM Punk is, so the rumor is, that right now the Bucks and Omega are suspended. But the rumor is that CM Punk tore his tricep in the match with Mox. And so when he was doing that press conference, he was doing it with a torn tricep already. So who knows? Maybe he went nuclear because he knew he was going to be on the shelf for a while, or maybe he was going to do it anyway. It seemed pre-planned, so who knows? But I think that that you also have to look at that, right? You have to look at the fact that this guy, even without blowing things up in a press conference and burying the 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 storyline that he was about to be in with MJF to get this other stuff off his chest, you have to you have to you have to go, okay, he's won the title twice and both times he gets injured right away. So what does that tell you? I said before. Before CM Punk came back to AEW, when the rumors were going, CM Punk should wrestle. Back then, I would have said maybe four to five times a year, and that's it. Never on TV, at your bigger pay-per-views, build a story towards each match. CM Punk at this point in his career, and it's a compliment to the career that CM Punk has built. There's no reason why every single match that CM Punk competes in shouldn't have been a super fight. Every CM Punk match should be a super fight dream match. I can't believe we're getting this. Can you imagine if? And give us a story. Every single time CM Punk put tights on, it should have been as significant as the dog collar match with MJF. Every time. And that means doing it less. And that's fine. It's what you should have done. Here's what I hope. I love the wrestling world getting turned on its head. And that's one of the reasons why this is what I hope. I hope that AEW releases CM Punk from his contractual obligations. And I don't know if any of my, my hope is even possible because of the injuries and everything, but whatever. I hope that AEW releases CM Punk from his contractual obligations. I don't think that, that, I think that would be the best for CM Punk. I think that would be the best for AEW at this point. Here's what I would love to see as a fan. What I would love to see. Because I am all about the what the 
moments. Oh my God. I can't believe, holy, like moments happening and we're getting them and I don't ever want them to stop. Moments happening that you were like, this can't be real life. I would have told you not long ago that this was impossible. It's what we were talking about at the beginning of today's show with Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. Because can you imagine if AEW announces that they have come to terms on the release of CM Punk? Done. Over. It's September. That's that's finished. That chapter is done. AEW is going to move on. I think AEW could probably be stronger for it at this point. Now that that's done, can you imagine if you're watching the Royal Rumble in the Alamo Dome? San Antonio, Texas, and cult of personality plays. Hear me out. Hear me out. Triple H signs CM Punk. Of all the, oh my God, what, there's no reason to even try to predict this stuff because literally the unthinkable, the undoable is going to be done. Triple H signs CM Punk. Triple H understands that this is best for business. It's going to make the world talk. They're going to be able to sell a shitload of t-shirts. They're going to be able to sell action figures. All the stuff that CM Punk asked for, the programs, the cups, the ice cream bars, they're going to be able to do all of it. And they're going to get the world talking. They're going to get the world talking because somehow they've done the impossible. Plus, they can go on a run and before it's all said and done, get CM Punk in the Hall of Fame. At this point, CM Punk should be in that library of legends. I call it the library of legends. The ones that we pull off the shelf every now and then. Why not put CM Punk on the Goldberg, Brock Lesnar, shelf, Undertaker, shelf. I think Undertaker's done, but you get what I'm saying. The shelf of guys that we pull off when it's time to really get something done we can do a CM Punk A&E biography. We could do CM Punk on This Is Awesome. We could do all, all everything, everything. We can bring him back into the fold. That's very valuable IP that we can bring back into the fold. Now, here is the key, right? Because I'm getting flashbacks already. When the WWE announced or, or rumors started circulating that the NWO was coming in, Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, and Kevin Nash were coming in. There were all these rumors about uh, upheaval in the locker room. The people did not want these politicking people to ruin their locker room. That There was some kind of harmony finally achieved in the WWE locker room and the horror stories that they had heard about Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Hulk Hogan in WCW and Hall and Nash with the click before that they said, never again. We don't want this here. WWE said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And everything ended up fine. It was done delicately and everything ended up fine. I think we get that all over again. I think if, if CM Punk came back to the WWE, a lot of people that have worked very hard in WWE would be sitting there going, we don't want this influence in the locker room. Some people would probably be thrilled, but there would be people that wouldn't be thrilled. And this is what I say to them. He's not there full time. 
He's not part of the active roster. You don't have to worry about it. You'll see him a couple of times throughout the year. That's it. He's not going to disrupt everything. He's going to disrupt in small pockets so we can get the world talking. Because if I'm Triple H, I've got CM Punk coming back for three matches in the year of 2023. And that's it. After that, we'll figure it out. We'll put him in the Hall of Fame. We'll see what he wants to do. Whatever. Because this is what I've got. I've got CM Punk coming back for the Royal Rumble. He enters the Royal Rumble match. People go, oh my God, CM Punk is going to win this thing. CM Punk does not win this thing. CM Punk gets eliminated by Kevin Owens. I've got three pay-per-view matches for CM Punk. And, you know, maybe, let's see, three, two, five, five, six TVs. Three pay-per-view matches, six TVs, and that's the whole deal. A few million bucks. I'd say it's worth everybody's while. So CM Punk, he gets eliminated from the Royal Rumble by Kevin Owens. And he comes out on Raw the next night and he goes, you know, the last time I got eliminated from the Royal Rumble, I didn't think you guys would ever see me again. Ha 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 ha, everybody laughs. You know, Punk is jovial and he goes, ah, I know, I know a lot of people in the locker room are, are afraid that I'm here, but you know what? I've got some business to, you know, attend to. And then the Kevin Owens music hits. Kevin Owens says, we don't want you here. And CM Punk goes, you don't want me here? Fine, I'll go away. And, and CM Punk leaves. And we don't hear from him again. Kevin Owens starts going on and he moves on to the next thing. But then before WrestleMania, CM Punk arrives again. And we go to WrestleMania and CM Punk comes in to challenge and threaten Kevin Owens. We go to WrestleMania with Kevin Owens versus CM Punk. So now my WrestleMania in Hollywood is night one, because Cody Rhodes wins the Royal Rumble. So night one is Roman versus The Rock for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Night two is Cody Rhodes versus the winner of that match. Now on night one, you're also going to have Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins because Cody Rhodes has to make it fair. Whoever, you know, you want to make sure that you're going into night two with two guys that have had to wrestle two matches. So Cody Rhodes is going to wrestle Seth Rollins on night one of WrestleMania and also mixed in there. So right now you've got Rock versus Roman, Seth versus Cody, Seth versus Roman, when Roman beats The Rock, CM Punk versus Kevin Owens. Boom. And then, I don't know, you know, I, it depends on how the story goes. If people like CM Punk, you could have CM Punk win. If people still have the same attitude towards CM Punk and they don't want to see him win, you could have Kevin Owens win. It doesn't really matter. Probably have Kevin Owens win because you're not going to see CM Punk after WrestleMania, so you probably have Kevin Owens win. Now, Cody beats... Roman at WrestleMania. So coming off of WrestleMania, Roman is, does not have the championship anymore. Cody does. And they could separate the title and they could do whatever. Maybe Roman ends up getting one of the titles back or something like that. Who knows what will happen. But in the meantime, months pass. Flip the page on April. 
Flip the page on May. Flip the page on June. Then we get to July. Look in my eyes. Coming out on SmackDown is CM Punk. We haven't seen him in months. Whoa. Again. We get to hit it again. It's like the third time that we've gotten to cash in on a CM Punk return. It's amazing. And he comes out and he goes, you know what really bugs me? Somebody around here is calling himself the head of the table. I'm pretty sure I put more seats, more butts in seats for WrestleMania than this guy is. Me and The Rock did it. Roman Reigns. SummerSlam is Roman Reigns versus CM Punk. And whatever, have Roman Reigns win. It doesn't matter if you're done with CM Punk after that, if he's not wrestling anymore. CM Punk can come back and lose three matches. It doesn't matter. If CM Punk's going to stick around and be a legend on the shelf, maybe you have CM Punk beat Roman Reigns just to see what happens next. Roman Reigns can probably take the loss. At this point, he's not the champion anymore. He's not protecting that reign. No pun intended. That's what I've got. CM Punk returns to WWE. And then, boom. Royal Rumble. Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. And then, out. Talk to me in 2024. Figure it out from there. Maybe he goes in to the Hall of Fame at WrestleMania 40 in Philadelphia. Paul Heyman might put him in. Maybe he puts Paul Heyman in. Right? Maybe Paul Heyman goes into the Hall of Fame because it's Philadelphia. And maybe instead of like Rob Van Dam, Bubba Ray Dudley, Sandman, Sabu, whoever, maybe CM Punk's the one who puts Paul Heyman in. Maybe we don't see CM Punk after SummerSlam 2023 and he shows up for the first time to induct Paul Heyman in to the Hall of Fame. Maybe, who knows? Maybe he goes in in 2025. The point is that I think that at this phase, I think Punk and I think everybody that works with Punk has to figure out how do you get to CM Punk's value to wrestling fans? CM Punk is a very, very valuable entertainer for wrestling fans to see. This is not just about taking advantage of Punk. This is about Punk getting the most value out of himself as well, not squandering years of value, right? And I mean, coming back for the Rumble and two massive pay-per-view matches in stadiums, guaranteed, one of them being a main event, Roman versus Punk. I don't see what could go wrong. You've got the value out and Punk doesn't have to deal with WWE's nonsense and WWE doesn't have to deal with what they perceive to be Punk's nonsense. Let's do it. Now, if he's got a torn tricep, he can't make it for the Rumble. I mean, he, but look, you could probably do a Rumble with a torn tricep, right? You don't have to do that much. Get yourself eliminated. As long as it's good by WrestleMania, we're kind of good. The return at the Rumble is just about the pop. It's worth a conversation, I think. But first, we got to get him released from AEW. Let's go. All right. I do also, by the way, have a plan for the optimal way of getting the uh, one of the titles off of Roman as opposed to both of them. Uh, but we're not going to have time for that today. We're going to have to do that next week here on Not Sam Wrestling because I want to get to these emails. I haven't gotten to emails in uh, a few weeks now. 
So, you know, I didn't want to ignore you guys. If you want to send an email, you can send it to notsamwrestling at gmail.com. By the way, if you go to youtube.com slash notsamwrestling, uh, a new video went up at the end of last week. It's uh, the video version of my Hulkamania dissection. Some of the comments on there are weird, by the way. Like, I, I no matter how many times I say we're talking about the character, not the man, we're talking about the character, like we're doing a full analysis of a character. And there are some people in the comments that are like, yo, you need to put more respect on his name. Without Hulk Hogan, there would be no WWE. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, I, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I'm analyzing the character. If anything, that's exactly what I'm doing. Idiot. What are you talking about? Doesn't bother me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, check that out at youtube.com slash Wrestling. Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. Um, and you can check that out. If you want to email us, it's notsamwrestling at gmail.com. Notsamwrestling at gmail.com. Uh, Mandla uh, Misibi writes, Good day. I first watched uh, the Not Sam Wrestling podcast on the WWE channel. We have a dedicated WWE channel in South Africa. I believe it's on the network or Peacock, depending on the country. Here in the United States, you can still get Not Sam Wrestling on Peacock. Just search Not Sam if you've got a Peacock subscription. And there are 13 episodes. I am so proud of those episodes. Literally, the entire staff of that show is me and Hot Dog. We sent the episodes to WWE. That's it. They're taped in the basement. Or, you know, we'd go out and do a location shoot or something like that. But completely written, shot, edited, produced by myself and Hot Dog. Uh, and, and yeah, it booked the interview, everything. I'm just, uh, I'm very proud of that set of shows. Uh, he writes, however, my introduction to you was all the NXT programming and stints on Raw and SmackDown. By the way, final form, Sam Roberts is badass. I agree. Now, I've only listened to the audio podcast since 398. Oh, man, a new listener. If I'm not mistaken, and I've noticed a lot of emails which you read are from by South Africans. It's funny how you butcher the names. M Mandla, I hope I didn't butcher your name, but I'm not personally offended. I hope not. I love you guys in South Africa. You're my people. So this is really just a shout out. It may be hyperbole, but really, South Africa listens to Not Sam Wrestling. Kind regards, Masibi. Pronounce Msibi, Msibi, Msibi. Try saying it all together. Msibi, Msibi. Thank you, Msibi. Oh, I guess Mandla was your last name, but it says it in Msibi. It doesn't matter. Msibi. Thank you, Msibi. Anytime you got a contribution to the show, Msibi, hit me up. Uh, Andrew, um, he writes, I was blown away this week uh, when I listened to your show. You read my email. How cool. Uh, you have many fascinating points. I agree with everything you said. Uh, Superman poses all the time. Okay, this was the email about uh, Hogan being the villain. And I think that Andrew, uh, he was uh, associating it with the human being as opposed to the character. He writes, uh, you said you only analyze the character on screen, not the people who play them. While that's totally fair, I believe that part of what makes this wrestling business so fascinating is that the characters on screen and the people who play them are always fused together. Hmm. The only way The Undertaker could have a 30-year career arc is because Mark Calloway decided to stay in the WWF and keep the character going. If he had left and signed with WCW, who knows? There might not be a Kane. There might be not be a WrestleMania streak. The character's storyline would have been cut short and his legacy would be very different today. A good example of this is Scott Hall. For the record, Scott Hall and Razor Ramon 
one of my all-time favorite wrestlers, and I have a 100% love and respect for the man himself. Uh, may he rest in peace, but Razor Ramon's character arc was cut short because Scott Hall decided to leave for WCW. I mean, yeah, sure, but that doesn't... Yeah, I don't... Okay. I was about to say I don't know what you're saying, but I could just keep reading your email. My point is uh, that... Oh, it's on the other side. My point is that the de the decisions of the characters and the decisions of the people themselves are connected. Not really, because Razor Ramon may be written off for different reasons than Scott Hall is leaving. You know, somebody like, for instance, Ric Flair. Ric Flair went back to WCW in real life because Vince McMahon approached him and said, look, we're, we're, we're welcome to keep you here but we're going to go more youth oriented and you're not going to be at the top of the card. I will give you your release if you want. Ric Flair took his release. That's Ric Flair, the man. The character left WWE because he lost a career ending match to Mr. Perfect in January of 1993 on Monday Night Raw. So if I were to talk about a Ric Flair retrospective as a character, his exit from WWE would not revolve around the fact that it's time to push younger guys and Lex Luger and Bret Hart. The, it would be revolved around Ric Flair lost a career-ending match to Mr. Perfect. Um, But my point is that the decisions of the characters... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Storylines uh, last from someone's, for someone's entire life. Maybe, maybe not. Storylines don't necessarily... A character who starts a new character. Max Payne was a WCW character. Max Kane came Max Payne came to the WWE as Man Mountain Rock. Now, if I were to do a, a podcast retrospective on that person, which I still might do, I wouldn't I would have to do two different podcasts. Max Payne was not Man Mountain Rock. Man Mountain Rock was not Max Payne anymore than Brian Cranston, who played both the dad and Malcolm in the middle, and Walter White is either of those two characters. I mean, we could have a fun fanfic tying the dad from Malcolm in the middle to Walter White, but they're not the same character. They're two separate entities. It says, uh, so the decisions made with the Hulk Hogan character have impacted and shaped Hulk Hogan. So the decisions that Terry Bollea made with the Hulk Hogan character we don't know which decisions were the ones that Terry Bollea made and which ones were the ones that, that WWE or WCW made. Part of Hogan's choice to turn heel in WCW was that Terry Bollea wanted to stay popular. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. I mean, maybe that's Terry Bollea's decision, but Hulk Hogan's decision to join the NWO was because he wanted to take over WCW and tell the fans they could stick it. He didn't want to be cool. The character. I agree with you. We can never judge the decisions of the, of the people themselves, but that's not why we're here. But if I were in their boots, I know I would make the same decision. doesn't matter. Hulk Hogan's heel turn in WCW revealed the character's true colors. No. Hulk Hogan and Hollywood Hulk Hogan are, are not two different characters. Uh, that was character development. Hogan's heel turn revealed that underneath the red yellow, uh, red and yellow was uh, black and white, a villain at heart all along. I don't think that that's true either. I don't think that just because somebody does something in 1996 doesn't mean they wanted to do it in 1986. 
If they're like, hey, I'm a good guy in 1986, and in 1996, they're like, actually, I'm a bad guy, that doesn't mean they were a bad guy in 1986. You see what I'm saying? And by the way, I just happened to watch the 1993 Royal Rumble this week. What did my eyes behold? Hulk Hogan. I mean, don't don't get me started on the 93 Royal Rumble. What he did to Sid was unconscionable. Um, let's see. I don't want to repeat myself here. Uh, thank you again, Sam, for such an awesome podcast. I don't know if you respond to people's emails twice in a row. I guess I do. Remember to say your prayers and eat your vitamins, brother. That's hilarious. That is hilarious. Uh, Shiamo writes in, Good day, Sam. I hope you're doing well. I wanted to ask you, since Monday Night Raw is turning 30 years in four months, what do you think has been the single greatest moment and single greatest match in its history? Single greatest moment in Monday Night Raw history. I'm going to have to put that email aside. I'm going to have to give that a lot of thought. My personal favorite Raw was the ECW Invasion Raw, but I was just such an ECW fan. But I'm going to put this email aside. I'm going to fold it. I'm going to put it in my notebook. I might have to do a whole show on that. Uh, This one is from uh, Rocky. This could be a hypothetical question, but would like your comments. Eddie Kingston was suspended for getting physical with Sammy Guevara. It's been reported that after the press conference, CM Punk got physical backstage with the Young Bucks or at least one of the Young Bucks. If he did, what do you realistically think the chances of Tony Khan would suspend Punk? The president has been set with King- the precedent has been set with Kingston. In the past, Tony has given passes to some of his buds, Jericho, Excalibur. I don't know anything about that. So in my opinion, nothing would happen to Punk. This is from Randall. Um you know, I uh I don't know what eventually will happen. I mean, I think if Punk's injured, it'd be a great time to suspend him, right? If you don't want to suspend Punk, but he's injured and can't be on TV anyway, probably a great time to suspend him, right? <laughs> all right, guys. I appreciate all you guys that write in. If you want to write in, it's not Sam Wrestling at gmail.com. Uh, you're all great. Thank you for listening. Join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash not Sam Wrestling. And we will see you next time here on Not Sam Wrestling. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam Wrestling.